with Jim Conley here for the Grow Microbiology Podcast. I'm your interim host here today. I'm really excited to be with all of you. We're going to be doing a solo show today. I'm really excited about this one. This is a similar show to what I did on the Succeed NAMP podcast. However, because I'm doing it the second time, I think this one will be far better from what uh, those folks experienced on that channel. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about how you can defy death by PowerPoint. Seven tips to improve your multimedia learning. And this is all my take based off of an article, a wonderful one, that was authored by Dr. Heather Collins. And it's posted on our webpage. I'm also going to put a link to their show, or to our article, sorry, on the show notes. So let me give you a little bit of background to set this up. Um, Dr. Heather Collins, she earned her PhD in psychological and brain sciences from the University of California, Santa Barbara, and she also completed five years of postdoctoral research on brain imaging. She's presently a speaker, consultant, and biostatistician at the Medical University of Southern California, South Carolina. Sorry, I got a California mixed up there. Um, but just a wonderful person. She's passionate about communicating the impact of psychology and neuroscience it has on every day. And then she also um, talks to a lot of wide audiences. She also did a wonderful, popular, jeez, having a hard time talking today, a popular TED Talk on successful thinking. It's a no-brainer, and that uh, TED Talk actually has over 20,000 views, probably more now since uh, the article has been published. But I'm also going to put a, a link out for that so you can view that as well. So let's delve into what Heather talked about in her article, The Seven Tips. And I'll give you guys kind of my take on this and some things that I've been able to take away because uh, just like you, I have a responsibility as a director of marketing here for the life sciences to train our internal staff on some of our disciplines. As you all know, right now I'm covering microbiology, so I would actually train them and use PowerPoint and different methodologies similar to what you guys are using in the classroom. So reading this article for the second time has really kind of helped me figure out how I can get a little bit better, and I wanted to share that with you guys in the event that you can get better with your lectures. So here's the, the first thing that Heather talks about. Um, your brain treats pictures and words differently. Now, this is something that I always suspected and I thought I knew, but reading what um, Heather mentions here really kind of crystallized it for me. So I'm actually going to read verbatim from her article here for a second. But she said, your brain tackles pictures and words using different regions. Your eyes take visual information and send it to your visual cortex and your occipital lobe at the back of your brain. And your ears will send verbally presented information to your auditory cortex and your temporal lobe on the side of your head. Words then go to the language processing region, regions, such as the Wernke's area, located between the auditory cortex and the visual cortex. All this, event, all this information eventually makes it to the frontal lobes where the complex learning and thinking takes place. So really for me, when I started to boil this all down, um, when you think about your students, they're going to use their eyes to see you know, what you're putting out in front of them. And at the same time, they're going to hear what you are saying or what I'm saying if I'm the one giving the lecture, and they're going to be processed um, differently. Um, so I think for this one... And you'll see later in the article there's some takeaways that I think we can all use. But just being aware of the fact that, you know, when a student's processing their visuals 
and that's going to go to one part of the brain, obviously, like Dr. Collins mentioned. But then the auditory pieces are going to be handled differently. And I think how we handle what we're presenting and what we're saying is really going to be important in making sure that the students walk away with something that they can actually use and learn from. Okay, so this next one is not a bulletin, but I like the fact that Dr. Collins mentioned it. And uh, this is... Your cognitive system has a limited capacity. So definitely true of students, true of adults, true of human beings in general. And uh, I love when she starts out in her article, and I'll quote her, breaking news, students have a limited attention span. And really the big thing here, uh, she talks about when designing presentations, consider that limited processing capacity to, to avoid overloading the students. And she recommends, and I quote, aim for presenting a few pieces of information at a time. For example, your slide might focus on a simple bullet point or one word or one piece of information. And I love this idea. It also reminds me of a good friend of mine, Bridget McGowan Hawkins. Uh, she and I did a wonderful podcast. Of course, I'm biased on that. Based off of an article that she wrote about um, do this and your students will never miss a lecture. What she was talking about pretty well is um, she gave the analogy, I remember, it's a bucket is your student. If your student's a bucket and you keep throwing information in, eventually there's going to be a capacity point in that bucket. And then all the information that you have, even though it's wonderful, is just simply going to overflow. And that's not the fault of the student. It's just that there's a lot there. So chunking the information was the one thing that uh, Bridget was talking about on her article on the show. And now Dr. Collins just talks about here that limited capacity. We have to remember that that's a challenge and an opportunity here for when we give a lecture. Okay, number three for Dr. Collins was stimulate cognitive engagement. And she talks a lot about how learning just doesn't mean passively taking in the information. And when you look at students learning, they need to be cognitively active. And then uh, they need to make sense of what they're hearing or seeing on screen. And then the uh, relevant word use or pictures and organization, all of that that you present as a faculty member here in microbiology is really going to be important in making sure that if you do all that right, um, presenting the words, the visuals, an organized sequence, and really kind of stimulating your students it's going to help them really grasp what you're trying to present to them, especially because it's new. Okay, this next one's good for me. Uh, I learned a lot from this, and it's good to relearn it. Um, place words and pictures near each other. Now, this one for me is a, I used to be a really bad offender. I would have an image and then a bunch of bullets, and I've kind of innovated and dabbled a little bit with some things that I've watched other people do here at McGraw-Hill and just having an image and a word and then really having me give the color for what that image and what the word really means. Um, so what Dr. Collins talks about in her article, which I love the fact that she's got the, the scientific angle here, um, she talks a lot about the what pathway and that's in your ventral stream and then the where pathway is the dorsal stream and she recommends that um, ideally you want to have your students See that your images clearly and directly relate to the class topic. So the information takes a ride on the what stream for further learning. And I really love what Dr. Collins said there. I think it's really important. And um, she also recommends here if students have to expend extra effort to figure out what text is relevant to an image, 
they're going to be less likely to learn the material. As I just mentioned to you, that was one of the big offenses that I would always do is I would have one image and then I have a bunch of bullets and a lot of text. And I never realized that for my audience, I was confusing them because I was really putting the burden on them to figure out what the important pieces were. So thank you, Dr. Collins. That's actually one thing that I can be even better about here moving forward. Okay, next one is kind of a similar idea, but if you look at presenting words and pictures simultaneously, and what Dr. Collins says is that your brain also has a when attentional pathway that is sensitive to whether information is presented simultaneously or successively, and she talks about if your PowerPoint has words and pictures separated, then the when pathway will be activated by students and they will struggle to make sense of how the words and the pictures are related. I think really the big takeaway there is just making sure you have a strong link between what you have on your imagery and the words, and you're very clear about that and organized, you'll have some positive success. Okay, so number six, this is another big one that I've struggled with in the past. And Dr. Collins says, exclude extraneous material. And much like each of you in the audience, I love the subject material that I'm presenting on. So I struggle with what do you cut out, right? That's the biggest challenge that I have, and I'm sure you do as well. And I love what Dr. Collins put in her article. She talks about, you know, we all love pictures of puppies and kittens, but unless you're a veterinary tech program or you're presenting on animals, you know, probably leave a lot of the irrelevant things out there. And boy, man, that's that's a big one for me and, and definitely something that I can, um, you know, learn from. So good advice there. Okay, so the last tip that Dr. Collins outlines here is pictures plus verbal discussions are better than pictures in printed words. It's almost like Dr. Collins has been following me for a little while, seeing what I'm not doing well. But here's what Dr. Collins says. Printed words and pictures both go to the visual cortex for immediate processing, whereas spoken words or verbal discussions go straight from the auditory cortex to the brain's language processing centers Combining both the printed words and pictures sends two streams of information in the same place, taxing the brain both at the same time. So she recommends that separating the two streams of incoming information will expand the student's cognitive capacity. And she says to maximize this separation, be sure not to speak while your students are trying to read from your slides. Now, this is one where I have a good friend that's an excellent presenter, and she was working with me on uh, helping me get better, and she recommended exactly this. And I would have now a visual on the screen and just one word. That's what I've been experimenting with. And she said, it's okay to pause. Maybe pause for like 10, 15, 20 seconds and really kind of let your audience see that visual and make sure that you're making eye contact with them and then go ahead and color in what you're going to talk about related to the slide. Now, that's an easy thing once you get um, you know down the path of that new format of maybe one visual, one word, or something like that. But for me, I had to really think that through and understand a little bit better you know, that I had to be patient and confident about what I was doing because in that case, it's okay to do that because, you know, your students are going to now be better off with seeing that picture and then the verbal discussion. It's really where you come in as a faculty member. I, I think about all the wonderful lectures that you give and the perspective, you know, a student can read it from a book, they can go online and read information, but really you're the one that has the best experience, especially in the field of microbiology, and can give them the best perspective to help them learn it better. 
Uh, so kudos there. Um, Dr. Collins, at the end of her article, talks about uh, the difference between face-to-face classes and online classes. And I think that's one of the big challenges here is obviously in our new world, we have a lot of different uh, delivery formats. But I think the song remains the same when you look at um, some of these scientific principles that Dr. Collins is outlining here. And I just thank uh, Dr. Collins for writing such a wonderful article. And I'm going to end this episode, this brief episode, the solo cast, with uh, something that I'll throw out there for you guys. If you guys have an idea that you want me to podcast on here, or if you want to have a guest, or if you want to be a guest on the show, uh, reach out to me. My email address is james.connely at mheducation.com. And if you would be so kind, just uh, send me an email. That'd be great. And also, if you're consuming this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a rating, write us a review. That really helps us get this podcast um, more discovered out in the world and let other people enjoy it. So we hope that you did enjoy it, and I want you to have a great day. This is Jim Conley signing off for the Grow Microbiology Podcast. Have a great day.